Welcome to Advancing the Conversation with Dr. Christy Carnahan and Dr. Kate Doyle from the University of Cincinnati's Special Education Department. I'm Ashley Barla, your host. We started this podcast in an effort to have real conversations about the role of self-determination in all our lives, specifically in supporting people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. If you're a teacher, a person interested in becoming a teacher, a parent, a sibling, or a person with a disability, this podcast is for you. We hope you'll join us on this journey as we learn about the role of self-determination in our lives. Hi, Amy. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. Why don't we start off by talking a little bit about you? Can you just do an introduction? Tell us about yourself, what you do, what you've researched, what you've done professionally. Absolutely. I have been in the field. Gosh, I was just looking at my retirement report (laughs) the other day, and it looks like I've been doing this for 30 years. I've been around for a while. I started my career as an intervention specialist for elementary, and I taught for 11 years. After that, I was the special education coordinator in my school district for five years. And there, I primarily focused on the students who were in the middle and high school grades, did a lot of work with home instruction and also with students who were off track for meeting their graduation requirements and learned really quickly there that there was an intense need for high quality transition planning. We didn't have that terminology so much back then, but I knew that it took a lot of collaboration and focus to ensure that the students meeting their potential in a way that they felt like they were a part of the process, right? It just seemed like so many of the students that I had been working with felt like things were being done to them instead of with them. And so that really was where I think I started to kind of get this real passion around the secondary transition process and students who were in that 14 through 22 age range. So after that, I was very fortunate to then begin working with the state support team region one, which is one of the regional offices of the Ohio Department of Education. And I focused there on secondary transition and workforce development. So, you know, perfectly aligned what I knew was my passion from the previous work I had done. After that, was there for about five years, and then I had a really interesting opportunity to work with the American Institutes for Research, and was part of the technical assistance team for an early warning intervention and monitoring system randomized control trial. We looked at how and if the process was evidence-based, and we discovered that, yes, in fact, through our randomized control trial that using the seven-step process to identify students who are at risk for not being on track for graduation, doing a good solid analysis of the data to identify what their needs were, and then matching interventions specifically to those identified needs, did in fact put the students back on track for graduation. And I was, again, fortunate to be in that study and then work with school districts across Ohio, Michigan, and Indiana To implement that process, we again then determined uh, to have a promising practice of a based strategy. I did that for a couple of years until the trial was over, then circled back to my original passion with secondary transition and workforce development and was able to work with the Department of Education now as the secondary transition and workforce development consultant. And this is my eighth 
year, I think. And don't add up my years. I'm not sure if I actually got to 30 there, but somewhere along the line. So now I'm working with the department, all things related to the projects that the department has for students with disabilities, 14 through 22. Oh, that's busy. It's been wonderful. And I have to say, I just think that being able to work with so many different practitioners has really helped me hopefully relate well to their needs and provide the supports that they need to work with the students. And then also just, you know, leaning back always to my education roots and my teacher roots, I, I can always kind of dig into work that I had done with students directly. From the personal perspective, I will say, I think something that's also been very informative to me, my husband and I don't have children. We do have a wonderful dog. His name is Buddy. But we have large families and my husband's brother has a disability. He does have autism. He's 57 years old. Now that my husband's parents have passed away, my husband and I have power of attorney. We don't have guardianship, but we do have power of attorney in many of the areas for his life. This has been about three years now that we've been working directly with him. He does live independently and does have a job. He lives and works in the community. You, you do all you want from like, you know, professional side and feel like you really understand what's happening. But until you're really walking that walk and living with an individual who has a disability and understanding the challenges and the successes related to that, I don't know, it just given me a completely different outlook. And I think that I have a pretty interesting lens now also to kind of project like what life can be like for individuals with disabilities and how to help kind of front load families and educators on what are some things that maybe we didn't think about we were going to need to know about? You know, I mean, I've dating apps, things that like, you know, wants to be on a dating app. And I'm like, ah. you know, he actually at one point was lost his SDI because he wasn't giving me the mail that we needed to renew. So there's just so many things that now I'm learning about and can hopefully, you know, lend some um, insight into for educators and families, again, like to kind of prep ahead. Not that you'll ever be always perfectly ready, but and I guess the other part that I think is really interesting is that I can also say that there is hope, right? I mean, he is a successful and happy individual. And while it seems like at the time of transition that the students are falling off a cliff and there's not going to be any hope, he's 57 years old and he's thriving. Not to say there wasn't work involved, but he is as a self-advocate. He's very self-determined. And I know that's the essence of this podcast. And he's taught me so much on what I can do to support others in learning how to promote that. I love that you mentioned the dating app. Can you give us other kind of real life examples where you see self-determination in real life and things that you think that there's can focus on in those transition years that are more applicable to life than, you know, we always think about getting change at the McDonald's store or something and things are just so rote, but there's some real good practical everyday life things, right? Absolutely. So one of the things that I... I found really interesting as my brother-in-law, he lives in an apartment with a gated community, but it's in the community. We did a lot of, I guess one of the things that my mother-in-law taught us, you know, right away was that we needed to ensure that we were very open and Michael was very open. My brother-in-law, Michael, he's the best. She taught us that we need to be very matter of fact about his disability and explain to others, not so much to say that we want you to be sympathetic about his needs, but so that you're very aware of the kinds of things that he may need. So for example, he pays his rent every month, but he has a very little interpretation of when the date that the payment is due, right? So it'll say, it's said in the lease, that rent is due on the first of every month. You have five days grace period if you don't turn the, the check in. 
And so when we were signing the lease with him, he looked at the office manager and said, oh, so I really don't have until, I really have till the fifth. And she said, well, you know, you can, but we don't want, we don't want there to be any, you know, if something was to happen in between those days and you ended up being late, you might want to be proactive in that. And he said, well, you know, I'm really good with scheduling and I really understand kind of like how to, to map up my time. So I think it might be just fine by getting it in there by the fifth. It'll be fine. Don't worry. And he's like, you know, I do have autism. And so I'm really good at some of these things. So don't worry. Then from there, the manager just kind of developed this relationship and understanding, right? So now I'm not going to lie and say that he always gets it right, but he was just very upfront with her and said, this is what works for me. I think I can get it and I can do it. And in it just, in it works. So that's one example. Gosh, there's a million. Just going back to that dating app, it was hilarious because he said, I've been watching TV and I saw these commercials for this, you know, 50 and over dating app. He's like, I really think that, I really think that this would be good for me. And he's like, I'm an eligible bachelor. He's like, I think that everyone should want to date me, right? And I'm like, I, I think so, you know? So yeah, it's just, it was just, I think that we just need to embrace. Now I did also explain to him though, you know, there's going to be things that we have to put in place, right? There's a lot that we're going to have to talk about in terms of safety and, you know, and all of these different things, but not just but entertain is not the right word. Respect, value, and validate the feelings, the responses that they, or the things that they have. Knowledge that sometimes we need direct instruction on things that our, our typical family members don't need. You know, a person with without neurodiversity might not need that explicit of instruction on the use of a dating app or on internet safety. And knowing where this is why I think it's so important to be involved in community organizations like your local autism society or your Down syndrome association or something like that, because you, there are so many resources out there, but actually finding a class on puberty or dating is hard if you aren't tapped into those places, right? Right. And you know, one of the things I also was going to say that I think it was really interesting when we first began working with him, I had in my mind exactly how this was going to happen. Like, I mean, like I have all this expertise. I know all of these autism societies. I know all of these things. I'm going to hook him up with this center and all of these things. And I signed him up and we went to all these different meetings and things. And he looked at me and he said, you know, I really don't like all of these. I'm, this isn't my interest. He said, you know, he's like, what I really like to do is I like to watch football at this local tavern and that's what I really enjoy doing. So I think that sometimes we have an opinion of what's going to be helpful. And what I've found over time is that he has established a relationship with some of the patrons there and some of the employees there. I should even say a relationship. He's developed solid friendships with these individuals, right? They support him. There's natural supports, right? I mean, I think we have to remember that while it's important to have all the resources and, and to engage them, but think about where those natural supports are and where those natural opportunities for friendships are, because he doesn't want to be different. He doesn't want to just hang around with individuals all the time that are that are exactly like him. He wants to have an opportunity to engage with the community. So, I, you know, I, I think it, that was a real aha moment for me to say, wow, I need to respect what his interests are. And maybe they're not mine, right? And as long as they're, that, again, that he's safe and working and doing the things that he needs to be a productive citizen, I need to sometimes back off and let some of the nature, so to speak, kind of wrap themselves around him. I enjoyed all of your stories. But we had a conversation yesterday. Some of our program does 
revolve around a sexual health curriculum, which can be controversial for people. And it was one of our instructors shared a really interesting story. And she said, and sometimes students are really uncomfortable to be in the course. And then parents and family members have a hard time seeing their child as a sexual being and as maybe they might need that information. And we had a student who took it and she said, I'm not interested in dating. I'm never going to date. I'm not interested. Blah. And then a couple of years later, she decided she was. So it was really, and it focuses a lot on rights and consent and responsibility, just really important life lessons that are applicable in any relationship. It could be a sexual relationship. Right. It could be a sexual relationship. But now I'm going to say you may even decide at 57 that you want right. to start dating. And that is okay, right? And we owe people the information so they know and they can make informed decisions on if you want to date or not. But you may at 57 decide you want to date. So I so that was really powerful to hear you say that. So given that experience, what do you think it is you want teachers of kids in high school transitioning you to know? Or like, what are the real direct takeaways from that bridge the gap between the work you do and your new lived experience? Well, without a doubt, and so this goes to educators as well as families, one of the things that we couldn't have been able to kind of take this transition on ourselves as as a, with an adult individual, had it not been for the incredible amount of groundwork that the school and the family, my, my husband's parents had done by early on identifying agencies that could support. So the agency component, Opportunities for Ohioans with Disabilities, the Board of Developmental Disabilities, and the school district themselves had done an incredible amount of connection and work to build that capacity and that self-advocacy. I mean, it didn't just happen suddenly when he was 57 years old. I mean, yes, we've been embracing it and allowing it to really happen more consistently or as consistently as possible, but it started in school. So making those connections with the agencies early, keeping detailed records of the discussions that you have, recognizing that everything that you do is, I mean, I'll put it in the current terms, is an age-appropriate transition assessment and making sure that's documented. I mean, anything that just seems anecdotal becomes so important when you're really trying to make some of these lifelong decisions. I read through volume. My husband's parents were meticulous note takers and keepers. I read through volumes of information about Michael so that I understood who he was and what he had come, what he had done previous to working in and living more with us. I mean, I knew him as a family member, but I didn't know him as a student or as a young adult. And so having that information was just so important and being able to have the phone numbers and the the names of the individuals with whom he had worked in the past so that if I did need to, when we did, I mean, he lost his social security disability at one point, because like I said, it would, life happens, right? I was able to go back to those old documents. I mean, old documents and continue to compile a case that allowed him to get back on. I would have never been able to do that had it not been for really keeping track of all of the things that have worked and didn't work. I had notes from his job coaches on his work experiences because we had a situation with his boss where his schedule had changed and he wasn't going to work. I was able to go back into the files and say, yeah, you know what? This has happened three other times. And then remind him of that and said, do you remember that time when you were working at blah, blah, and you didn't get along so well with that, with that new person that was working there? And remember how we worked on that? Can we try it again? So I was able to use that as a reference point. So however you can continue 
that discussion and pass it along and, and build on it is so important. I know sometimes people say, oh, well, I don't know if I want to necessarily know everything from the past because I don't want to have a preconceived notion or whatever the case may be. I couldn't have done it. Well, I mean, we couldn't have done it there. I mean, we just needed to have that continued discussion. And I can tell that it worked with the schools and the family. His parents were constantly at the table and talking and advocating for him, bringing him to. He was at every single meeting. He was at all of those meetings so that he was aware of it. And he can remember. I'll ask him, do you remember that teacher? Do you remember that discussion? And he can. And I think that makes a big difference. Yeah, that's so important. Amy, we'd like to finish with some fun questions. And so the question for you today is, what are you reading? So right now, I don't, I listen. I'm always listening, right? So I am listening to the Bono's self, Bono's autobiography from you too. And then I also, walking around, I haven't opened it yet to the degree I want to, but I'm also walking around with the street data book. I don't know if you're aware of street data. It's a next generation model for equity, pedagogy, and school transformation. Oh, yeah. I do know this. I've been hearing wonderful things about it. Everyone that I know that's reading it have been so excited about just the practicality of this thought and thinking about who the students are and how do we really take their perspectives into account when we're making database decisions. So that's the other book I'm looking at. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Amy. Thanks, Amy. Have a good day. You too. Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us. If you are interested in learning about the University of Cincinnati's special education, undergraduate or graduate programs, please visit us at online.uc.edu backslash special education. If you are interested in learning more about our programs for young adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities, please visit cech.uc.edu backslash ATS. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email at advancetheconversation at uc.edu.